I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Toronto Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zance, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We have a very special guest from Sportsback Radio, Jake Asman, host of the Jake Asman Show weekdays. Uh, please subscribe to his channel on Twitch and YouTube and follow him on Twitter at Jake Asman. Just that's it. How are you doing, Jake? How are you doing, Stephen? Good, man. Doing well. Jake, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Uh, you know, any, any chance I get to talk some Jets, I'm always down. I appreciate you reaching out. <laughs> No, yeah, we're excited to have you on, man. I mean, you know, we've always been interacting on Twitter, and I feel like we share a lot of the same opinions on all the teams that we root for, but definitely about the Jets. So, you know, it's, it's an exciting time as a Jets fan. I feel like we've really turned a corner. We've got a new coach. We've got a new quarterback. we got a lot of new pieces. You know, to kick it off, like, what was your overall thoughts on Robert Sala's hiring? I know that we obviously have bad coaching, but I feel like everyone's feeling pretty optimistic right now. Definitely. I mean, the, the first thing that stood out and, you know, I hate the pile on, but I, we went through hell as Jeff fans the last two seasons. So the first thing he's not Adam Gates. So by accident, it's already, you know, <laughs> a huge improvement over the disaster that was the Gates era. So, I, you know, out of all the guys that were out there, you know, Salah intrigued me. Arthur Smith intrigued me. I, I was good with whoever they hired as long as it was Joe Douglas that was making the hire. I didn't want you know, the search committee, you know, I didn't want Peyton Manning recommendation. Like I wanted the football guy in Douglas, who I think the Jet fan respects and has a, a feeling like he at least is competent. I wanted him to make the hire and he made that hire and I loved it. I love Salah's energy and I've been really impressed by some of his comments and just the way he kind of interacts with players and the things he said about, you know, wanting to help his guys get paid and just kind of the, you know, the brutal honesty you don't always get from the coach. So I'm really excited about Robert Sala. I was excited when they made the hire and I know they haven't played any games yet. And we're still in the honeymoon phase with the guy, but you know, so far so good for Robert Sala. I think every Jet fan should be excited because, you know, kind of just feels like the, the Jets are finally back on track. It seems like they have the coach, they have the GM, the head coach reports to the GM, the GM reports to the owner, like the power structures in line. So, you know, it's probably the most optimistic I've been about the Jets and I don't know, seven eight nine years already i mean it's been a while as you guys know so i yes. feel like uh yeah i feel like they've had a strong offseason and it starts obviously with the style of hire yeah no i jake i couldn't agree more and i think what excited me the most was really the process that uh that douglas used the fact that he had never met sala up until this point we had you know connections to douglas but he really uh cast a wide net which i know that was a term that got thrown around a lot in the, in the months leading up to the hiring but 
Um, he did. And, and he had a clean slate and he hired the best candidate for the job and he was the one to make the hire. So, um, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. So, you know, Jake, you mentioned this is the most excited you've been in a while. So I kind of wanted to kick it off and maybe do like a little round table here with a question saying, you know, it really best experience as a Jets fan in terms of, you know, a season that, that you love the most, and then we'll go to the worst and then kind of how you feel about this season and what your excitement level is, you know, kind of uh, compared to the two. Well, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great, you know, thought I'm going to have to come up with here. So, I mean, the, the, the best season as a Jet fan had to have been probably 2010, right? I mean, 2009 was amazing with, you know, Rex and, and Sanchez coming in both as rookies together and, and that team overachieved, you know, they got into the playoffs as a nine and seven team, the way they closed out giant stadium with, the, uh, you know, with the win over the Bengals was incredible, but in 2010, I think, you know, that season was so much fun because the Jets were now expected to be good. And the fact that they went 11 and five, the fact that they, you know, beat the Patriots in week two after they had that brutal week one game against the Ravens on Monday night football to open MetLife. And, you know, I was as down in the dumps in high school then as I've ever been, I remember. And, you know, for them to respond the following week and, you know, have that run where they won what, like nine games in a row, I think that season. And that was such a fun year. And then obviously, you know, to beat Peyton Manning and then Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots in the playoff game after they got their rear end kicked 45-3 on that Monday night game just a couple of weeks prior. You know, that's that's the greatest moment I've ever seen in my lifetime as a fan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not old enough to, you know, truly remember any of the Super Bowl season. I'm really not old enough to comprehend what was happening in 98 when they were up, you know, in the AFC Championship game. So th- that season for sure was the most special season. And, you know, probably the most depressing season as a Jet fan, you know, it might have been either this past year's season because I didn't think they'd be great, but they were seven and nine two years ago. We thought, you know, Darnold's coming into his third year, big step forward, and they obviously were just an absolute train wreck. They were a disaster. And then you know, some of the other awful seasons that uh, most of them have been bad over the last decade, right? But <laughs> the 2012 just stunk. The Tebow experiment, you know, just the how bad Sanchez was that year. And it was just like a sign that like this team that was on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl two straight years. They, I mean, they totally fell apart. They were six and 10 Tannenbaum gets fired. It leads to is coming in. So at 2012 always just stands out to me as an absolute disaster of a jet season. Yeah. I feel like 2010 is definitely the best one. If like you're a millennial, because you don't really remember 98 as well as certain people. I actually think, believe it or not, 2012 was pathetic. I totally agree. But I think 2014 was more depressing because you just knew it was the end for Rex. Gino was not working out. It just felt like the team was imploding. And, you know, of course, we didn't even tank to get the first pick, which was even worse. But if you hindsight's 2020, both those quarterbacks didn't end up being any good. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. But yeah, I mean, 2020 probably is the worst, but it's also just fresh in our minds. And there was just so much pain. Basically, the season was over after that Thursday night Bronco game. And that's like the most depressing yeah. thing you could ever see. Awful. The 20, 2020 might end up being, you know, not as bad in hindsight if Sal is a good coach and if mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is as good as, you know, the Jets think he will be. I mean, that's the only, you know, saving grace. Like as bad as the Jets were with Cotite, it led to them getting Parcells and turning the franchise around. So, you know, if you're a Jet fan, you know, maybe you had to sacrifice, you know, the, the potential of Sam Darnold to get rid of Gase and finally get this team on the right track. I, I don't know. I mean, that's how I'm going to choose to look at it. I mean, I'm wearing my Broadway, you know, Joe t-shirt. Here. <laughs> I want to see to actually find a quarterback and maybe Wilson's the guy if they, you know, they had to go through the losing to maybe not get Lawrence, but to get Wilson and, and we'll find yep. out how he plays. 
Well, I mean, I may be dating myself here, but I will say 98 for me. Uh, I was only 13 at the time. So I'm like, a, I saw the term geriatric millennial the other day on Twitter. So I guess I'm, I'm one of those, but uh, <laughs> it was the year. I mean, 12 and four, won the division, ran the table and, and really up to nothing on the Broncos and, and ready to do it. And there's no doubt in my mind that if we had gotten there, we would have beaten Atlanta in the Super Bowl. That's that kind of always leaves a sour taste. Um, 2020, you know, Jake, I agree with you. I think it, uh, it, it stung, you know, I didn't expect them to be great, but I had expectations unlike the Kotite years where it was just knew they're going to be awful, um, for Sam to kind of crap out the way that he did and not build on, I think, a you know, relatively strong finish in 2019, it was bad, but again, to your point, it led to Sala. Um, but now if I, you know, were to compare and say my excitement level for, for 2021, it's, it's, it's really right there with, you know, 97 and kind of how we felt following Kotite and getting Parcells and, and that path back to respectability and competence. And I feel like we're, we're getting there. I mean, do you feel the same way? Totally agree. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think the biggest thing what the Jets have done this offseason is that, you know, by hiring Sal, hiring a guy that's so well-respected around the league, I feel like overnight they changed the perception of the team and, and Douglas was always well received by, you know, NFL people, by scouts, GMs, agents, like he, he was a well-received guy, but he, you know, he also still had to deal with Gates being there that kind of, you know, clouded the whole organization. So I think, you know, just the, the power structure the Jets have is as strong as it's been since the days of obviously Rex and, and Tannenbaum. So that should excite every Jet fan. And, you know, just the players they added, you know, I, I thought the Jets had a great draft. You know, I thought Douglas did really good in 2020 with the draft class, but I thought this year, you know, to go all offense and show that things are going to be different with Wilson, that they're going to get him Elijah Moore. They drafted, you know, uh, Williams in the, in the fourth round to play running back. Like it's just, they, 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 should, they obviously, you know, trading up for Vera Tucker, I thought was a, a home run decision. Like it just feels like there's a plan in place. I, I don't think the jets are, you know, a playoff team necessarily in 2021, but you know, could they be like what the giants were this past year, where even though they were one and six at the beginning of the season, one and seven, they were in every game and you just felt like the team was getting better. They were, they were being coached the right way. I mean, giants fans love Joe judge. We don't know if the guy's great yet, but you could tell that the guy like has the right idea for how to coach. And I think the jets are going to be competitive. I think they're, you know, I think they're going to play better as the year goes on and, you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, jet, you know, one thing you can say about the jets is, you know, other than Gase, who of course had the one and seven start his first year, don't remind me. First year jet head coaches <laughs> have pretty good, uh, pretty good year ones, right? Even Todd Bowles won 10 games. So yep. you know, maybe the jets can be better than people think. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best word to describe what I think the Jets potential could be is frisky. I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team. I think that they'll hover in that seven, to, like six to seven wins. I know it's weird with the record. I mean, the extra game, it kind of throws things off. Seven wins sounds like a lot better than it actually is, but you're still going to be three games under 500 and losing 10 games. But I think that they'll be a pain in the ass for people. They're going to be playing hard. I think, you know, guys are going to go to war for Salah. They'll be in the game in the fourth quarter and then maybe just be like a rookie mistake from Wilson because, you know, he's going to have those growing pains. We can't expect him to be like, you know, Justin Herbert. I mean, that would be the dream. We all would love to see him be like Justin Herbert because it won't be like, yeah, we finally got the guy. It took long enough, but here we go. But ultimately, I just think that as long as they're just showing life, competence, scoring points, maybe giving up points because the corners are atrocious, that's how we can measure success for the season. And I'm really excited just because it's a whole new era. I feel like Sal is going to have that Tibbs effect and the players are really going to want to go to war for him. Totally agree. And, and I, I think the big thing is too, you know, how, how's the quarterback playing, right? I mean, like mm -hmm. you know, when Sam Darnold was at the end of his rookie year, the last like four or five games, he led the NFL in passer rating and every Jet fan, you know, was thrilled and couldn't wait you know, <laughs> to see what the Jets did to help him going into year two. And 
once again, we know what they did. They hired Adam Gase, the offensive genius. So, you know, like you just want to see Wilson get better, play well. And, you know, like the you can't even compare the talent level that Wilson is going to be working with compared to what Sam dealt with three years ago. So I think that's exciting. You know, the record is what the record is. You know, football records are tough because, like, how are you getting to your record? Like the Giants won six games this past year, but, you know, they started one and seven. They were in all their games mm-hmm. and they played better in the second half. Like how you get to your 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 final record to me tells a lot more than just looking at like the number, like the 2011 jets were eight and five. They've ended the year on a three game yep. streak and we're eight and eight. Like that was rough. They one or two of those games, they go to the playoffs that year. So, you know, how are you getting to your, your ultimate record? Like when the jets in 2019 started one and seven, you know, they had a six and two second half. We felt like, all right, you know, there was progress that was at least made with Sam. I didn't know, feel I, that way. At, well, <laughs> I, I did. did I bought it like an idiot, I guess. And hindsight, so did I, Jake, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I the, the whole beat was just saying how, oh, look how they finish. You know, Gase deserves a shot. I'm like, it, they had such a, so many things that went to their favor. They played against Duck Hodges, who was absolutely <laughs> atrocious. They played the Bills backups and barely could win that game. It took, yeah. like, one touchdown that they literally were on the goal line and could finally score. I mean, I just personally think that, like, so you got – like you said, it's, it's not necessarily the record is indicating how the team played, but – Look, we just want to see signs, and I feel like we're going to see signs. Don't get blown out. Get better as the year goes on, and let's see Zach Wilson get better. Like, the Jets need to develop this guy. Like, give him every opportunity to play well. Like, like, here's the thing. Like, if Daniel Jones stinks this year, it's not going to be because the Giants failed to put weapons around him or they don't Mm -hmm. have the right coaching around him. It's going to be because he's not any good. Like, like with Sam Darnold, what infuriates me as a huge Sam defender is that I have no idea what Sam Darnold is yet. He, Mm -hmm. he, you know, his his two coaches were Todd Bowles and Adam Gase for his first three years. Like that, you know, Jeremy Bates was his offensive coordinator his first year. He's out of the league. All these guys that Sam was throwing to stink. They're not playing football. And the one guy that was good, they let walk in Robbie Anderson. And he has him again. Yeah, so that's the key. I like I want to see Sam play well. I'm rooting for him, but like, like we don't, we never got to find out what Sam is. Like, I like if Wilson doesn't end up being good, I could live with it if we know that he's the reason why, not because the Jets failed to put a team around. But that will be, I don't think we'll go down that path again. But you know, that's what made the last three seasons so infuriating. Like the idea that you're basically starting over when you had a golden opportunity three years ago to build the foundation around this young, you know, third overall pick, and they failed. So they they cannot blow it this time, but Zach. Wilson, it just—I don't know if I can handle it. Yeah, emotionally, yeah, I mean, physically. The, yeah, the, the reason there's a myriad of reasons why you know Sam Darnold failed. I mean, the, the coaching was, was awful. The weapons they surrounded him with were awful. The, the offensive line was awful, and Sam had his fair share, you know, his part in it as well. So he can't be absolved of blame. But to your point, you know, we'll, we'll never know. But it seems like you know Joe Douglas is kind of learning, and he's not going to make the same mistake twice here. But if you had to point to the one thing that you'll say that Zach Wilson won't be, you know, the next Sam Darnold and, and, and Jack Green here and that he will succeed, what do you think it is? You know, I just think it's the, um, you know, the, the physical traits that you see, like the different throwing angles you can make from different launch points and release points and arm angles. You know, I also, I don't know, man, I, I feel like Zach Wilson plays with a chip on his shoulder that we'll, that we'll get to kind of see up close now. Like I, you know, I've watched a lot of interviews on him. I've had people on that covered him at, at BYU on my radio show. And, you know, I don't want to say that Sam Darnold didn't have an edge. I think Sam, I don't think that's why it didn't work out, but there, there, there's a different mentality with Wilson. Like Wilson wasn't a top recruit. He wanted to go to Utah. Utah didn't offer him. Like his dad played at Utah and imagine that, you know, they, they didn't offer him a scholarship. Like the guy had to earn his starting job going into his junior season. Cause he was coming off injury. Like, I, I like the fact that Wilson has always had this chip on his shoulder. He seems like he's like a workaholic. So I just, 
don't know. They're, they're, some of the early signs with Wilson encouraged me. Now, at the end of the day, he's got to go out there and play well. And he's got to go out there and, you know, prove he can handle being in New York and all that that comes with being, you know, a, the Jets starting quarterback. But, you know, I, I just think they got the right person that's going to be the quarterback. Now it's about, you know, can they maximize all the talent? Because talent-wise, I mean, there's not a throw that kid can't make. You, you worry about maybe some durability stuff. But, you know, what? at the end of the day, you know, there's plenty of guys that have had his body type in the NFL over the last decade that have had plenty of success. So, you know, I just think it's going to come down to, you know, can the Jets put them in a position to succeed? You know, I had uh, Willie Colon on my radio show before the draft, and he's like, they got to put Wilson in a car that could drive. And that's really the thing. Like, you know, I think Wilson could drive the car, but make sure you're not giving them, you know, a beat-up car that, you know, doesn't have a chance to make it. Like, they got to help Jack Wilson maximize the talent. Yeah, no, you, I think you hit it on the head. And I think one of the things that you touched on, which is interesting, I kind of see a lot of Joe Burrow parallels to him. You know, Joe Burrow was a top, was he was a decent recruit. You know, he initially was at Ohio State and then obviously lost out to Dwayne Haskins and then went to LSU. And then he really kind of took this huge rise his last year in college. And Wilson was like, you know, decent his first two years. I know he got hurt one of the years that he was at BYU. And then he just jumped. And I just feel like they both have this chip. And Joe Burrow, you know, like he's not, I wouldn't call him cocky, but I think he just has a little bit of an edge, like a swagger. And I think Wilson has that too. I don't think he's full of himself. I don't really see like that Baker Mayfield comparison that everybody has. I just think that, you know, he's confident in himself, but he also doesn't want to get too high and he wants to earn the respect of the teammates. And based on some of the quotes you're seeing and some of the things that he said, I, I believe that. I just think that he wants to earn the respect of the locker room. He wants to earn everything that's given to him, whether it be the starting job or anything that he's doing. And he's going to pay his dues. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, the, the Baker Mayfield stuff, I, I saw that too from some people. I don't see that at all. I, you know, I just no. think, I think Wilson, I don't think it's like a cockiness with him. I just think he, he's confident, which is what you want your quarterback to be. Like, I, I think, I think he's got a real presence, uh, you know, about him. I, there's a real swagger when you watch him play. I totally agree with you there. So, you know, what, what I would love to see is, you know, for him to go out there and, 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 you know, just, just play well early on here kind of like ease everyone's nerves like how great would it be as a Jeff fan if he goes out there week one and he outplays Darnold like that would be the ultimate bleep you to the you know stick with Sam crowd I would love it you know it'd be it'd be an unbelievable start like I just you know we're gonna make a lot of that game obviously but you know I really I like I like his uh his swagger on the field I love his confidence yeah and you know I, I think the Jets have gone about it the right way with how they're gonna bring him along like I don't think you know they're going to put too much on his plate. I thought it was really telling that when they released the draft night phone call of Salah and Douglas calling mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, you know, uh, Salah made it clear that, hey, you know, this organization is going to lift you. You know, you don't have to do all the lifting. Yeah. It's like the total opposite of what they basically yep. said, hey, Sam, do everything for us because we stink at putting players and coaches around you. <laughs> it just feels like it's going to be the total opposite now with Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, watching that phone call, it just made me feel so good. I'm like, I just – Never felt like we had that with Bowles. We never had that with Gase either. Rex, I felt like we kind of had that. I felt like he was trying to elevate the players around them and not make them take everything on their shoulders. I know Sanchez mm-hmm. definitely took a big burden there, but I definitely feel like, you know, there's there's something to that. Um, but there's, I want to transition. To, there's a, I'm sorry, Stephen, but there, there's a want to be there. Uh, you know, you, you, you get the sense. You can see it right now, you know, with, with who's showing up to camp. I mean, you know, Jets had – you know, they're having a great turnout. I mean, that speaks volumes about who Robert Sala is mm-hmm. and compared to what, you know, he's backfilling and, and the guy that he's taking over for. So that's why a big part of the reason as to why Jets fans are so excited when feeling as good as we feel right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, one transition a little bit. I know you're obviously a New Yorker who's based in Texas. So like, what's that like? What's it like being a Jets fan in Houston, Texas? I feel like there's not many of them. And, you know, you're, it's all Texan country. I'm sure there's a lot of Cowboy fans. Like, what's that like for you? 
Yeah, it, you know, it's actually interesting. There's, there's, there's a lot of transplant New Yorkers that are down here. So there's actually mm-hmm. a ton of, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan, huge Yankee fan. So there's actually a surprising amount of Yankee fans here, Nick fans here. I was at the Knicks Rockets game a couple of weeks ago. It was my first like live sporting event I've been at in like a year, basically. And I mean, it was the Rockets are awful, but it was like, you know, it was like 80% Nick fans. Like it was, you know, they're chanting MVP for Randall on the free throw. Line. It was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was unbelievable. So there's actually a lot of transplant New Yorkers down here. You know, what's really cool about being a Jet fan here, there's a Jet Houston fan club that watches all the games together at a, uh, at a sports bar in downtown Houston. And they rent out, I don't know if they rent out, but they have a deal with the bar where like a corner of the bar, they put the Jet game on with the sounds. And the Jet fan club people put up banners and hang jerseys cool. up. That's it's awesome. awesome. So, you know, every Sunday since I've been down here, I, I've watched games with a bunch of Jet fans. So, you know, it feels like I'm at a sports bar on Long Island watching the team like I did my whole life. So uh, it, it, it's actually it's actually really cool. There's more there's more Jet fans down here than I thought when I first moved here. Now, mind you, they all gather in that one place. So you see all of them <laughs> every week. Yeah. But. Uh, there's a yeah. decent amount of uh, Jet fans in that Jet fan club, which makes watching the games on Sundays really fun. For yeah. sure. Um, and kind of going off that, I figured we could touch on this because it was something that was really buzzing between the fan base and the media for a little while. You know, being in Houston, I'm sure you know people that knew Deshaun Watson. And obviously before the legal battle, there was a lot of smoke that we were really interested in. There was a real big possibility that he may become a Jet. I'm just curious, like, did you ever get any information from anybody that really like, you know, put truth to that. Like, I'm just curious, like how close do you think that actually was to happening? Obviously it's dead now because we have Zach Wilson and you know, what's going on with him. Just yeah, kind of curious what question. you know. It is a great question, Steven. So th- there was a real buzz to it. I-, I had a lot of people telling me from both sides that the Jets were interested, that the Texans were listening to offers and the Jets were one of the teams that, that checked in and called right away. In fact, I had someone tell me that when the first Watson allegation came out, someone in the Jets front office reached out to someone in the know of the Watson situation and asked to get the, the, the complaint that was filed in the Harris County court system sent to them so they could review it. So the Jets were doing their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. There's no doubt. I don't know if they would have ended up trading for him. Maybe the price would have been too steep. Douglas talks about building through the draft. So Mm -hmm. trading away three ones, maybe wouldn't be his move, but at the same time, you know, Deshaun Watson never becomes available. So maybe you throw building through the draft out the window when you still have all these other picks and you trade away your first round picks and you could have flipped, obviously, you know, your two and 14 season and Jamal Adams into <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Maybe the Jets would have done and had the lawsuit stuff not come out. I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I was all in on, on trading for Watson. I advocated for that on the radio almost every day. There was a different story. <laughs> Smart man. But, yeah. you know, ultimately – Maybe the Jets not getting Watson will be another blessing in disguise here. Right? I mean, how Jets would, have, would it have been if they made the Watson trade and then all the legal stuff came out mm-hmm. afterwards? Yeah. You know, the, the Jets maybe caught a break that Nick Casario was dead set on not moving him until <laughs> uh, they got closer to the draft. Yeah. And now who knows what happens with Deshaun Watson legal-wise oh. and suspension-wise. Yeah, could you imagine the same old Jets uh, conversation that would happen if, if, if that did go down? Um, I mean, so, so Jake, then, how do you see this playing out as the dust kind of settles in the situation? There's talks of settlement. I mean, you know, we're here in Miami, could still be interested, and I hear Philadelphia, you know, could be a, a place of interest as well. Um, how do you see this playing out with Deshaun? It's a great question. I, you know, I go back and forth on it a lot. I mean, if they were to settle out of court, you know, we're talking about 22 civil lawsuits. So if he's settling all 22, 
it, to me, there's no way he doesn't get suspended for, you know, a significant amount of time. I mean, Zeke Elliott got six games. He had one civil suit, right? So you're talking about 22. You're talking about, you know, the nature of these complaints being, you know, sexual assault accusations, sexual, sexual harassment allegations. So I think the NFL would step in. If he's suspended, how many games is he getting? Is he getting a full season? Is he getting half a season? How many teams would then trade for a quarterback that wants to win in 2021 when they don't get that quarterback for, you know, all 17 regular season games? I, I don't know. I mean, if it gets resolved and he gets the suspension this year, maybe the Texans basically, you know, pay him to go away, put him on paid leave, the commissioner's exempt list, and, you know, serves his suspension, and then they trade him next offseason. That, to me, is probably the more likely scenario, but – you know, your guess is kind of as good as mine because it just seems like it's changing every day. I mean, you know, we heard talks of settlement and then we heard, oh, no, neither side's going to settle. Well, if they go to court, I had a lawyer on my show the other day. It's mm-hmm. going to take two to three years for this to actually be litigated. I mean, that's how long the, the legal system takes down here. They're still backed up on cases due to COVID and like there's stuff from I, I had a lawyer on that said Harris County is still working on lawsuits that were filed around the time of Hurricane Harvey. That was four years ago so you know i i I don't know the legal mumbo jumbo long answer to your question i think you know i i think there's a chance he's either traded during the season or this is delayed until at some point next off season and then you know maybe we'll have more clarity then on what the deal is yeah so uh we'll, we'll kind of transition back to the jets here and as we take a look at expectations for 2021 clearly the the landscape of the afc is kind of changed in 2020 right the patriots missed the playoffs for the first time in two decades you know, the, the Bills have a fantastic season. The Dolphins get the 10 wins and, and just fall short. So as you look to 2021, what do you think the expectations are for the Jets in that? Are they the clear-cut number four? Do you think they have a chance to kind of insert themselves a little higher, maybe have a chance at, uh, you know, at a wild card? And how do you kind of see it, everything shaking out with uh, yeah. the rest of the AFC's teams? Uh, Steven, I think it comes down to what Wilson looks like. I think the Jets are going to be in games. I think their defense is – I think the Jets' defense is actually really underrated. Like, I I don't think people are giving, you know, the the, the Jets' defense enough enough credit. I know their secondary has issues. I get that. I do still think they'll sign a corner. But I also think, one, the coaching on defense is going to be better. I think Salah could Mm -hmm. scheme around maybe some of the deficiencies in the secondary. If C.J. Mosley's back to being C.J. Mosley, no one's talking about how good that could potentially be, you know, mm-hmm. for that Jets defense. And I think Quinn Williams with Rankins and and Lawson, like that's the Jets have never had a defensive line in my lifetime. That's you know a, a novel concept here might actually get some pressure on the quarterback for once. So you know I'm actually optimistic about the defense. If Wilson plays well, like if he's Justin Herbert, they're gonna they're not finishing in last place in that division. There's no way. You know, I, we see teams go from, you know, last place to competing for the playoffs all the time in the NFL. So, you know, the Jet, f- first things first, if the Jets season's, you know, still alive by Halloween, I mean, we haven't seen that in a number of years. So <laughs> I- I'll take that right now. But I, I think they're going to be better than people think. You know, I'm not, I'm not picking them to win 10 games or anything like that. But, you know, if, if you tell me they go eight and nine this year, am I going to be shocked? I won't be shocked because I think Wilson, that, I think that would mean Wilson played really well. And mm-hmm. they're going to give them every chance to have success in this offense with the weapons they added, the coaching they have for them. So, you know, it's it, it's kind of all contingent on the quarterback. If, mm-hmm. if he plays really well, the Jets could surprise people. If he has your typical rookie quarterback year, they're probably a five or six win team somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Bills, it's, it's the Bills division to lose still. Um, you know, is are they going to go 13-3 and three or 14-3 and three now with the 17-game schedule? You know, probably not. But it's it's hard to see where they haven't improved. 
the Dolphins are still a question mark. I mean, Tua in a you know coming off an injury in a COVID shortened season, it's it's hard to get a, a, a you know an assessment of him. But he is a question mark. And a lot of people making a big deal about what the Patriots did in free agency. It seems like it was just because it was atypical of a Patriots offseason. But mm-hmm. the the players that they got, you know, again, you know, Nelson Aguilar, it really not a lot to write home about, in my opinion. And Cam Newton's still a question mark. I mean, I think the Jets, honestly, and I'm maybe looking through my Jets goggles here, but they <laughs> could make some noise. And if they get the seven, eight wins and are playing competitive games in November and December, I think we'd have a hard time not being happy with that. I agree with you. I, th- I think we overrate the, the Patriots here. I mean, let's see, yeah. let's see what this team looks like. You know, honestly, I thought them winning seven games last year, given how poor Cam was, I actually thought Belichick did a pretty good job coaching that team up. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone loves to, you know, talk about the fact, oh, you know, Brady leaves and look what happens and Bill misses the playoffs. But, you know, Brady left because the roster was so bad, which Belichick's the GM. You also could blame him for that, of course. But from a coaching standpoint, they still have the best coach in the division with Belichick. I think the question for New England's going to be, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How good's Mac Jones? And when do we even see Mac Jones? Like mm-hmm. if he comes in and plays early and plays well, you know, that changes the whole outlook of their team. I think Cam is shot. I like Cam Newton personally. We had him on the show about a year and a half ago. He's a, he was great, super nice guy. I just watched the guy that, you know, just missed wide open players. Like, don't give me the, mm-hmm. oh, well, Jake, he had COVID. He, he was awful on some of these throws that any quarterback would make if you're going to have success. So I, I just wonder how much he has left. So if, you know, if he's the Cam we saw this past year, I don't think New England's that much better. I think they're going to be around the same. Like, take away the two wins New England had against the Jets, one in which the Jets just gaggled right back to them on Monday night. Yep. You know, I, I don't think this Patriots team is that great. I mean, I, I you know, maybe I'll regret saying that if, you know, Mac Jones comes in and, you know, he's Tom Brady all over again. But, you know, until yeah. I see it, I'm Don't put of- that out there. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Please. No. I mean, for me, like, within whether it's this year or next year, the one thing I want is, I'm watching Sunday Night Football, whether it's a Jet game or not, and it's around Thanksgiving time. I want to be in the hunt graph. In the hunt. <laughs> That's what I need. Once we get to that point, we're like, we're, we're competent. That's what I need. Obviously, I want to win a Super Bowl, but like, it's baby steps. You know, like, what happened with the Knicks is this is a step for them. I hope the Jets take some sort of step, whether it's this year or next year. Just show the signs that, you know, you're building a, a, like a contender. You're building a team that's always going to be in it. I mean, not necessarily win all the time. Like, look, Tom Brady winning seven Super Bowls is absurd. Like Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is the best player in the world and he only has one and he got embarrassed this second. So you just really never know a lot of it's luck, but just be competent, be, be in it when we're getting down to week 18. Now it's weird to say that, but that's just really, I need to be. Isn't it insane what, what the, the decade standard. of aptitude has done now <laughs> and, and what Adam Gase and Mike McCagnon have done to where all we want is to be in the, in the hunt graphic. Come. <laughs> 
That's would be nice. You, you know, we're watching Sunday Night Football. Al Michaels going through the standings at the end as they're wrapping <laughs> up the night. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and that, uh, you know, six and, and eight, the Jets <laughs> in the hunt uh, for the last wild card spot. That's I mean, it. That's it. That when, nice? he's, when he's talking about if the overhead or not, like that's always yes. the best thing. Um, <laughs> Jake, know. I know you got to run because I know you got, you got some things going on. But um, one thing I would love for you guys to do is if you haven't seen Jake's interview with Dana White, definitely check that out. It's on his uh, YouTube page. And I believe he tweeted out the link. Really good interview. And obviously Dana White's some big time stuff. So I definitely recommend to watch that. Jake, anything good on your show coming up before the end of the week? It's a great question. I, I mean, we're doing a lot of uh, a lot of NBA stuff right now with the playoffs or the playing games going on. I mean, you know, you know, Steven, you know, I'm a huge Knicks fan. So talking talking as much Knicks as I can, even though it's a national show, you know, we'll talk about the, uh, the Hawks series coming up and, you know, we got PGA coming up. Uh, I try to mix in football whenever I can. It's kind of tough right now. It's like the first time where it's like, you know, I, I was, I basically talk jets every day on the show because it's between the Darnold <laughs> stuff and the draft, it was such a national story. It was great to be able to do that every day. So I milked that for all it's worth, obviously, but yeah, I mean, every day we, we take calls on the show. We love, uh, you know, a ton of Jet fans listen, which I always appreciate. And, and we have some fun. So definitely check it out on SportsMap Radio. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Jake. We'll definitely love to have you on, especially during the season, because I know you'll have some thoughts and want to fire them away to all the Jet listeners. So thanks, man. Have a great night and have a good week. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jake. Appreciate it. Steven, Steven, anytime, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Joe Caparoso is a good friend. He's been on, uh, you know, my radio show for years. And, you know, I lo- love the love the work you guys do on the site. Love all you guys. You know, Will's come on my show a ton, talking Jets on his podcast and vice versa. So, you know, appreciate you guys having me on and keep crushing it. You guys are the number one source for Jet fans. That's for sure. Oh, Thanks, we appreciate man. that. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> Take See care, guys. man. Good night. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jake Asman. Like I said, follow him on Twitter at, at Jake Asman and tune into a show on Sports App Radio daily at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And it's good stuff. Really like it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff I, from Jake. Love having yeah, him on. Great stuff. Um, I know we were going to ask him about, you know, his favorite free agent signing and least favorite free agent signing. We didn't get to that. But Stephen, just kind of curious, who is your favorite free agent signing? Um, you know, you'd have, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to not say Carl Lawson. Um, mm. the fact that they addressed edge for the first time since John Abraham, which was, I mean, how many years ago They, you know, they drafted him in 2000 last time he was on the team. They, I think they traded him before the 06 season. So it's been 15 plus years. So to get a legitimate edge, uh, to add to that, you know, what I would call a formidable D line, um, mm. that's gotta be my, my, uh, favorite free agent signings, uh, you know, obviously thus far for the 2021 free agent period. Um, it's a, a position of need that we've, we've, you know, been yearning for for a long time so the fact that we actually said <laughs> that again and and they addressed it and they went hard after him early and, and they got it done uh, i think it's huge i think that guy in Salah's defense is, is, is going to be awesome so extremely stoked uh to get carl lawson on the team how about you ben what do you think yeah you, you definitely took my answer but i would say my second is definitely Corey davis mm-hmm. i know you know people are saying you know he was a bust in tennessee like what do we want this guy on our team for me I think he has a lot of talent. There's a reason he was a top 10 pick. And over the last few years, without the injury, when he, was, when he wasn't hurt, he was playing really well. And he was one of Tannehill's favorite weapons. And I know somebody who's a big Titans fan and said, Corey Davis is really good. You know, it may not always show up in the stats. He's not like, you know, this perennial 1,200-yard guy. Great blocker, makes plays, physical, plays a lot like Denzel Mims. I know mm-hmm. Dalvin, our friend over there at TOJ, loves saying – bully ball playing like a mm-hmm. you know a power forward and that excites me both of them can block well that's only going to make things easier for Wilson and also the run game with Michael Carter you know the Michael Pirine 
I guess, yep. Tevin Coleman, if he could stay on the field and whoever really th- <laughs> Ty Johnson, whoever thrown out there, I'm really excited for him. Yeah. And then my least favorite is probably Dan Feeney. I mean, I know he's got great hair. I know we were, all were talking <laughs> about that, but he was like statistically the worst center in terms of the analytics last year in football. I know he's not starting. I know that's McGovern's spot. But why would you want someone on your team who was literally the worst player at his position? I understand his depth. I get it. Hopefully he doesn't ever have to play. If he does, we're in a lot of trouble. But I just I can't I couldn't get behind that. It was really like the only move that we made that really was just like, what is that? Why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if I were to say, you know, the same thing, you'd have to say Feeney, but it's really the uh uh, the fact that we didn't address the O-line more in free agency. And mm-hmm. I think hindsight being 2020, you kind of look back and you say, okay, well, we could have thrown the bag at Joe Tooney. We could have thrown the bag at Corey Lindsay. They, they weren't coming here you know, anyway. But the fact that we kind of still have uh, you know, a hole at right guard, uh, we don't know how that's going to play out. You know, Cam mm-hmm. Clark, nobody's, nobody's seen him. Um, you know, Greg Van Roten uh, didn't look good uh, in, in 2020. Nope. You know, the fact that we didn't take a dart throw in free agency, you kind of pigeonholed yourself in the draft that we traded up for Vera Tucker, which was which was huge. I mean, everyone, you know, we love that home, um, but you're still there's still a hole at right guard. I mean, we're not sure how that's going to play out. I think the other thing is, is fan. I mean, George Fant, you know, Jets fans have a tendency to overhype their own guys. Did he play above expectation in, in 2020? Yeah, but is there a chance that he kind of regresses to the mean? I mean, the guy didn't start, you know, for the first, uh, what, six, seven years of his career. So. He came in, he played well. I think he's a mobile guy on the right side, so that fits well with what, you know, LaFleur will do, but it's still a question mark. And, you know, regressing to the mean is a definite possibility. So yeah, um, that right side of the line is a question mark. Uh, I'd say, you know, so my least favorite signing is, I guess, the fact that they didn't really do anything to solidify that right side even more. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I think that's a fair concern. I mean, you know, I think they're going to think about this long term. I mean, I think the hope is that Camp Clark wins the job. We have yeah. no idea if he will. He never really – I don't even think he suited up last year for any of the games. He was always inactive. But yeah. you really never know. I mean, he could end up being something. Maybe Van Roten plays better. One of the big things that Damian Woody was mentioning on Badlands when I was listening today was just like when good linemen play with some – like subpar linemen, they elevate them. So maybe mm-hmm. playing with guys like, you know, Vera Tucker, playing with Becton, I think McGovern's going to play much better. I mean, I'm not super hopeful for him, but I do think playing next to those two – will really help him have a bounce back season. He was really good in 2019. So I think, you know, playing with a strong left side will only elevate him. And hopefully you see that trickle effect onto the right side. Hopefully yep. Fant wasn't a flash in the pan. It could maybe be sustainable for year two and maybe a third year. Cause I believe he has he, next year is not actually guaranteed, but mm-hmm. I do like how he's very athletic. He used to be a tight end and they used to use him in like those, those packages where you had the extra tight end on the field, but you know, we'll see. I never, you never know. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So obviously we've talked a lot about uh, the fact that Jets fans are excited for the first time in a long time. We brought it up a lot in our first two episodes here, but if I were to say and throw out, you know, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, Michael Floor, Zach Wilson, which of those four guys are you most excited about as we come into 2021 here? I think it's gotta be Sala. I mean, I'm excited for Wilson. Don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. I do expect a lot more struggles for rookie quarterback. It just, it's the nature of the position. It's, it's the hardest position in sports. You know, there's only, you know, there's 10 really elite players in the league and then everyone else is kind of in the middle. I'm excited for Sala because I just think that how he succeeds is really going to be the stepping stone for the next decade. Like I want him to be the coach in two in 2031. Like Mm -hmm. I want that to be our coach. I want it to be sustained success 
players wanting to sign here because I know the inside joke for on Jet fans for a while was we couldn't really sign players unless we overpaid. Think about CJ Mosley. He had no desire to come to New York, but they threw him an offer he literally could not refuse, and they called the Jet tax. Mm-hmm. I think that that having Salah in here is going to get rid of things like that. I think it's going to be a place players want to play. I think that you know they're just you know they're going to play hard for the guy. You never saw that with Gase. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. I feel like his press conferences are going to be really entertaining. I mean, that whole thing he had in the first rookie minicamp when he realized that he was the person who was supposed to dress the team and he was yeah. in his usual post when he was in San Francisco. Like, that's some good stuff. Like, Gase was just like this monotone guy. He never felt like anything was happening. It was always yeah. making up excuses. We'll watch the film. We're the best practice team in football. I just think that there's just going to be something about Salah. I mean, like, you heard him in the phone calls with all the draft picks. You're just going to want to, you know, run through a wall for this guy. And I'm just really excited. I mean, like I said, the wins may not be coming in year one, but I think you're going to see something and you're going to get excited and you're going to be like 2022, this team can maybe make the playoffs because there is that extra wild card. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's hard to disagree with you. I would say <laughs> I would, I would go more a uh, broader level of thinking. And I would say the guy that hired solid and that's Joe Douglas for me. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, I get nostalgic as a Jets fan. Clearly I dated myself earlier in the show. Uh, but I really think that Joe Douglas has the chance to kind of have a 97 Parcelsian uh, mm-hmm. impact on this team. Um, you know, we were down in the dumps in 95, 96, and, and just instantly Parcells brought, you know, respectability and confidence to the organization that built a, you know, what we as Jets, fan, Jets fans called the Warriors from 97 to 2010. I mean, people forget those, you know, they had more winning records than losing records. They made mm-hmm. the playoffs, you know, a good amount of years in there. I mean, they were competitive, which is something that we clearly uh, are, are dying to see again. Dying. <laughs> so I really think that, that his philosophy, what he's done, the fact that, you know, I don't know if Joe, if Joe Douglas sits in, in his office and looks back at, at the, you know, the failed Sam Donald project and what happened and reflects on it or what Mike McCagney did or anything like that. But it really does from the outside looking in seem like that. Like he really does take a look and say, you know what, this didn't work and I have to do this to correct. And this is my mm-hmm. philosophy on team building. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build from the inside out and get the quarterback. I'm going to have me and the, and the coach and the quarterback in lockstep and on the same timetable and our philosophies are going to align. And it just seems like we are on the path. Now, listen, you know, Joe Douglas's first season, technically really as, as GM, they went two and 14. I think all mm-hmm. signs point to the fact that that was an evaluative year. Yep. For everything from coach down, you know, to the 53rd man on the roster. But um, it just seems like the the stars are aligning here and that he's building this the right way, his way, which could potentially really lead to long term success to where we're not just a flash in the pan. You know, uh, we'll almost make the playoffs like, no, we're building this thing for the long haul and good young talent in here at core positions that matter. Uh, we're, we're on the starting, you know, we're at the starting line still, but I, I feel like yeah. there's hope. Listen, before you run, you got to walk. Before you walk, you got to crawl. We're crawling (laughs) right now. But you know what? I think a really good thing for Jeff fans to think about in terms of being optimistic, look at the Browns. The Browns went 0-16 five years ago. Like, or whatever. Yeah, four or five years ago. Like, they were the laughing stock in the NFL. They literally gave out free beer when they beat the Jets (laughs) on Thursday Night Football, which was Uh, embarrassing because we shouldn't have lost the game. But that's another another story for another day. But my point is, is that if you get the right people, which I think Stefanski is a good coach, I think mm-hmm. Andrew Barry is a very smart general manager who's really going for value and really hitting on picks. I think that you can build it and it could be a lot faster than Jeff fans think. I don't mm-hmm. love Baker Mayfield, but he's pretty solid. I mean, like he didn't play well against us, but all of their wide receivers were out. So I can't really you know hold it against them. But like you were saying with Douglas, I know that like you said two and 14 is first full season as general manager. 
but you got to think about things. I, listen, there's plenty of questions, but there's some good answers as well. He realistically was taking the approach that, you know, Gase may not be here next year. I don't want to commit long-term to anybody with big money. And you saw that with the deals that they made. I mean, I think yeah. McGovern was really the only long-term deal that they had, which was like three years with a fourth-year option. So, you know, he definitely was being cautious. He didn't know what the future was going to be. And now that he has his guy, because he hand, hand-picked him, Robert Sala, mm-hmm. he was willing to spend more money long-term versus short-term, you know. Yep. And I also just love his first four picks. I mean, those were all money to me. I mean, whether they work out or not, we don't, we don't know. But just in terms of the value, in terms of addressing the need, making sure Zach Wilson can succeed – I love Moore. I love Carter. Obviously, Ver Tucker to me is a home run. You know, he yeah. could be, you know, the a top five left guard in two years based on some of the things you read about him. So yeah. I'm super excited for Joe Douglas as well. But, you know, definitely a lot of things you still got to wait for because sometimes it's going to take, you know, three to five years for these guys really to become the players that they're supposed to be or they'll be out yeah. of the league. So I'm still yeah. optimistic. I think it's pulling yeah. up for him. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, he's not going to hit on everything and there's, there's no question. I mean, I'm not, again, I said jets goggles. I'm not looking through that. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, like I realize, uh, you know, Joe Caparoso throws around pragmatic. I try to be mm-hmm. that way. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not crowning Joe Douglas as the best GM ever uh, yet. I mean, I st- I think there's still, you know, he's, he's taken some swings and misses, uh, you know, Ryan Khalil being one of them, uh, not addressing wide receiver at all uh, last mm-hmm. year and rolling the dice with, you know, Rashad Perryman was a, was a big mistake. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I'm not crowning him, uh, the philosophy I, I agree with, I think he's definitely a build through the draft guy, as opposed to uh, go out and spend all the money on free agents. I'm not saying one way is right. I te- I tend to kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I think it's gotta be a balance and it obviously depends mm-hmm. on where your franchise is at at that point. I'd like it. You know, I think he, uh, after 2019, um, or I'm sorry, after the 2020 free agency period, I think he went a little heavier in, in 2021 knowing what he has. And that's good. He went out and got lost and we got Davis. That's mm-hmm. those are good things. So starting to see that combination and philosophies of free agency plus draft. So I think we're, we're on the precipice of something good here. Um, I feel as good as I felt as a Jets fan in a long time. So yep. I think Joe Douglas is, is a big part of the reason as to why. And I'm just, I'm excited for the season to get here, man. Yeah. I feel as positive as I felt as a Jets fan from when they won, like I think five straight in 2015 before they lost that <laughs> Buffalo game. That yeah. was just basically the biggest high I've had since I guess like that championship game season in 2010, yeah. because I just felt like, you know, they had a chance of the playoffs. They're just like, you know, they were just clicking. And I feel like yeah. we're starting to get to the building blocks of that point. I mean, listen, we don't know what it's going to be. I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm get to root for winning again. I basically yeah. wanted them to lose every game after the first month of the season, which is not what fans should do. You want to be no. passionate. You want to be excited. I mean, like, like I, I think we had this conversation. If red zone didn't exist, I don't know how I'd be able to watch football on Sundays because yeah. the Jets were so unwatchable. And it was just like, I need watchable football. And I don't want mm-hmm. it to be over in the second quarter. I want to be watching the game. It come down to the last minute. If they lose on a last second field goal, but fought their asses off, I'm excited for that. You know, it just, it builds character. It builds something for long-term. You don't yeah. see the short-term gains, but you will see the long-term gains. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, 2020 felt like a job watching Jets games on Sundays. It, it really did. It felt like work. It's like, I have to be here. I have to watch this, but I really don't want to. And I, I don't want to experience that again. And it, it was, it was tough because you're, you're yeah. right. I mean, after that week four loss of the Broncos, just like, okay, when are we, when can we rid ourselves of, of Adam Gase and, and everything that has to do with this team? Cause it was that bad. I don't want to experience that again. So if I can just watch meaningful football that with an offense that scores points, that'd be incredible. I love Joe's tweets. He basically does them at least once, once a day points. And it just shows some highlights <laughs> yes. of either Wilson or Elijah Moore. It, just, it, it gets me excited. Yeah. Like that's what I want to see. 
Exactly. I mean, going back to, to your point about, you know, the first four picks on offense, it showed that Douglas is learning. I mean, he, he's got a chance to get four legitimate and I won't jump the gun and say starters, but they could be started, yeah. but at least four contributors yes. in the first four draft picks of this year. And if, if they're not, then those are big swings and misses that none of us saw coming. But if, if Elijah Moore and um, Michael Carter don't contribute, you know, somewhat significantly in the first year, then that, that'd be surprising to me. And obviously, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, you know, whatever he does in his rookie year and Barrett Tucker, I mean, they're going to contribute. They're going to be there. But yeah. first four picks, offense, scoring points, it's the 21st century. Let's do it. <laughs> That's the modern NFL, man. Like, That's we it. want to see touchdowns. We want to see long plays. We want to see explosiveness. We want Speed. to want, we, uh, listen, we're not going to have the Kansas City offense, but if we have something, a semblance of the Kansas City offense where, you know, you're yeah. getting excited, they make some big plays, like, it seems like Elijah Moore is really that electric guy who could just take the ball like a home run play. Like yeah. I'm excited about that. And like, look, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited about it. We'll see, but plenty to talk about and uh, really appreciate everyone joining, you know, watching it. I hope you guys enjoyed the first two episodes and Jake Asman and also I guess Connor Rogers last week. Um, really exciting announcement is we have Jason Campbell, 10 year NFL veteran to come in and talk quarterback next week. Definitely going to do a deep dive on Zach Wilson and ask him a little bit about playing against a Rex Ryan defense, but would love to hear your questions. Uh, Don't forget also to subscribe to Badlands on Patreon. Also making sure that you're subscribed to the Turn on Jets podcast network, which is TOJ pod, our show, as well as the draft season pod. And uh, make sure you follow myself on Twitter as well as Steven and definitely tweet us your thoughts about the team because we want to interact with you guys. We want to make this show grow as time goes on and really appreciate everyone supporting us so far. Take care.